This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Talk money to me. Hello and welcome to Talk Money To Me. Merry Christmas, everyone. This is Candace Burke. And I'm Felicity Thomas. Talk Money To Me is a podcast where we draw on our extensive expertise and experience to help educate you on all aspects of your financial landscape. Now, today is our last show of the year, and it's become a bit of a tradition where we have a very special guest back once again to discuss his predictions for 2024 and review the year that we've just had. That's right. So if you are a regular to the show, you will be familiar with Martin Crabb and his words of wisdom. Now, Martin is our Chief Investment Officer here at Shoring Partners. You may recall, if you wind back the clock about 12 months ago, his top stock ideas for 2023 were Pilbara, PLS, Domino's, DMP, and James Hardy, the code JHX, just to name a few. So what we plan to do is see how his predictions performed this year and also discuss his thoughts on the market and as we head into 2024, some investable ideas. We're going to hear his top ideas for 2024 for your portfolio, perhaps. Absolutely. Um, if, if you're new to our show, perhaps go back and listen to last year, as well as actually the year before where he spoke about Woodside, Santos, Qantas. Transurban as well, I recall. Brambles, which is still done really well. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Definitely. So he does have probably one of the best crystal balls in the markets here in Australia. We will be talking about lots of investable ideas. So please remember before we embark on this fantastic last episode of the year that of course today's show is not considered personal advice even though we are registered advisors at Shrine Partners. Please note that this podcast and the content discussed does not constitute financial advice. It's also not a financial product. Fun fact. That's right. (laughs) And it's based on everything known at the time of recording in good faith, which is the 14th of December, 2023. But if you want personal advice, please feel free to reach out to our CFT group at shoreandpartners.com.au. All right. Welcome, Martin. It's so great to have you back on the show for another year. It's great to be back. Now, let's start with the current market conditions. So, Martin, you really called it last year when it came to central banks and the war on inflation. At some point, the central banks will have done enough damage, for want of a better term, to interest rates to cause a slowdown. The slowdown will happen next year. And as we know, markets tend to bottom before economies do um, because it's a forward-looking indicator. The share market is trying to predict sort of 12 to 18 months out. So we should see a better you know, better conditions starting in the second half of next year, I think. So, Martin, can you give us a bit of a rundown on the current market of 2023? It seems as though it's everything kind of played out how you predicted, sticky inflation, higher fuel, tighter labour markets, as well as the federal government actually ramping up immigration. But that's brought in a whole lot of other problems. So what are your thoughts on 2023? 
Yeah, that's a really timely question because just this morning we've had the uh, FOMC meeting for December and they've released the summary of economic projections, which they're now, the Fed's now saying they're cutting rates next year. So it's really timely to talk about market conditions. So as you said, 2023, um, you know, inflation's been sticky. Uh, the economy's been a lot more resilient than people thought and the consumers held up a lot better than people thought. This time a year ago, everyone said we're heading for a hard landing and a deep recession and a terrible share market. Everyone this uh, this time last year was was reaching for the, you know, reaching for the oxygen, um, whereas the year's been pretty good, particularly if you've been in the large cap companies. So if you've been in the Magnificent Seven in the United States, you've, you've made 70%. If you've been on the non-Magnificent 493, you haven't done too well. We also just showed <laughs> some slides this morning that showed, you know, the large cap market in Australia has actually held up pretty well as well. It's been, you know, a, a little bit tougher in small and mid caps. But this year has been a lot better than people expected. And, and we now have a situation where it looks like interest rates have peaked. Um, inflation's coming down, which is fantastic news, without a recession, without a pickup in our unemployment. And so that's a really good setup for 2024. We realised that when our Candice and I reviewed the 23 stocks for 2023, yes. Candice was mostly large cap. I was small cap. So yeah. Felicity got hurt. <laughs> I got yeah, hurt. Yeah, yeah. But together, we still averaged over 10% Fantastic. for the year, which is yeah. pretty good. Good result. I yeah. definitely dragged it. But hopefully I don't next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a good thought process for us to think about next year. You know, just reflecting before we go into 2024, Martin, you mentioned, you know, if you were in the Magnificent Seven, you've done well. Large caps, you would have done well. Where else would have an investor seen surprising returns for this year in the markets? Yeah, probably the uh, the long end of the bond market, particularly yep. in the second half of the year. Um, the first half of the year was tricky because rates just kept going up, up, up because it was becoming obvious that inflation wasn't transitory and that the central banks were behind the curve. And so longer term interest rates peaked at about 5% in the US. But in the past quarter, you know, people have made some pretty spectacular gains at the long end of the bond market. So, I mean, it's pretty much this year, most asset classes have performed quite well. So if you're in what we call carry, which is basically uh, short term interest rate um, linked securities, such as bank hybrids or even in term deposits, you've you've printed you know sort of six or seven percent returns. If you're in credit, you've probably done more like eight or ten, and even even government bonds because that you know five or six percent yield, and then also some capital gain towards the end of the year. So it's been a pretty good year for balanced investors. So we obviously advocate most of our clients to have you know balanced, actively managed um, balanced portfolios where they can pick up. Um, returns across the spectrum rather than just having all their money in one asset class. So it's been a pretty good year for for uh, diversified portfolios. Yeah, that's a good point. And just for our listeners' um, perspective, when we say a balanced portfolio, it's roughly a 50-50 blend or a 60-40 blend into growth assets like shares and the defensive like fixed interest bonds and hybrids. So well said, Martin. Now, if we look ahead into the new year, I mean, how is the lay of the land for the ASX market? I mean, we know we've kind of dragged behind the US. I mean, what stocks do you think investors should be looking at? We said it earlier, tough for small caps and my portfolio. Is it going to be different? You can be (laughs) honest. (laughs) Yeah, so we're we're turning more constructive towards equities, which means that in in the balanced portfolios that Candice talked about, we've got the capacity at Shore and Partners to, to tilt portfolios um, you know, in, into assets that we think have a better risk return outlook. So if I think last year that was all about fixed income, sorry, 2022 was all about fixed income. The year we just finished 
we we move back to a neutral position. Looking into 2024, we're probably looking at going overweight equity. So that means having you know more shares than you would normally have in your portfolio. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that the indicators, the forward indicators of growth are improving. Yeah. So economies are still slowing. Let's be clear about that. Economies are still slowing, but they're not slowing at the rate that they were. So they're slowing at a slower rate, if you like, and the market likes that because it, it means there's not a lot of earnings downgrades to come if the economy's you know, starting to starting to, to bottom out. Uh, secondly, financial conditions. So central banks have put up interest rates a long way, as we know. Anyone with a mortgage in Australia will, 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 will be feeling that. Um, so they have, they have hit the brakes pretty hard, and that's just starting to come back. The Fed last night pretty much said they're done on rates. The Reserve Bank in Australia looks like they're done on rates. So we should see financial conditions starting to loosen. And the third thing is really um, that the inflation journey is being put back in the model. It seems to be that the inflation fear that everyone had you know, in the middle of this year is abated. So a combination of better growth, uh, looser financial conditions, and a, a view that that the inflation journey is back in the bottle should set up some pretty positive equity markets for next year. Within that, as you said, small caps look, look better value than large caps. Small caps have been very beaten up. In Australia, the Emerging Companies Index is 30% below its high, whereas the or, whereas the top 100 is pretty much in line with its high. So there's been a 30% um, return differential between emerging companies and large, and we'd expect some of that gap to close going into 2024. Yeah, that's really interesting because when I listen back to your previous predictions, my gosh, do you have a crystal ball? Because you basically said quality growth will outperform which it did. Uh, you also had healthcare as well, uh, which also has done quite well this year. There's a latter half of this year. Um, so well done, Martin. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. This is why I need to have you back on that crystal ball. Felicity, you just mentioned healthcare. Yeah. And I think we can't ignore this year was very much dominated by a few themes, one being healthcare. So if we head overseas now and look at the developed markets, I'd love to get your thoughts on the US and the European markets in particular with the news of the GL1P weight loss drug in the healthcare market. You know, a lot of stocks here in Australia, Ramsey, that came off a lot. You know, what's your thoughts on that thematic and theme playing out for next year? And ResMed, right? He, re- You really called ResMed as well, the bottom. We did a top up there when it dropped. Yeah, it got down to 20 bucks or so 21 bucks. Yeah, so thanks no, for that. Now good. we're in the profits again. We're yeah. like loving it. Look, it's, a really, <laughs> it's a really interesting question and I think it just highlights the importance of uh, in Aussie investors investing in global markets. And yeah. look, people talk a lot still about countries, you know, go to Japan, go to Europe, go to go to the US with your money. Think about sectors, you know, think about think about every sector in the world being global, which they kind of are. Healthcare is a global industry, mining is a global industry. There are a few industries that are domestic, like like uh, retailing and banking, but a lot of industries are global. So you want to buy the best companies in the world. So when, you, when it comes to healthcare, you want to own Novo Nordisk or Eli Lilly, because yep. they're developing these GLP-1 drugs, which you know, half half of Mossman and half of Camaray are taken, right? <laughs> and probably half of Turak if, or 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 uh, Northbridge in WA or whatever. Right? And half of Shoreham Partners. <laughs> half of Shoreham Partners, if you can get if you can get a good GP. So these are game changers, right? Mm. So these these are multi billion dollar drugs, and there's two companies that have yeah. the lead on everyone else. So invest in the world's best healthcare companies, um, invest in the world's best technology companies. So which companies are going to benefit from artificial intelligence? It's probably the Microsofts and the, and the Metas and the Googles and those companies with, with A, 
massive amounts of data, lots of money to, to go and develop the technology. It's probably not going to be a small Aussie company or a small New Zealand company that benefits. So it's really, really important to, um, you know, to, to get your money overseas, inve invest with the manager who's good at picking stocks in those industries. So just touching on healthcare. So the GLP-1 revolution, which has seen Novo Nordisk and Eli Lilly's share price go absolutely berserk this year. The flip side is anyone to do with, with um, the side effects of, of, uh, of obesity. So obstructive sleep apnea, diabetes, uh, the, you know, kidney failure, these sorts of uh, companies that are involved in producing solutions for that have been absolutely belted. And we've felt it really strongly in Australia because of CSL, which is the biggest healthcare company, and ResMed, which is probably the second biggest. Both of those stocks have been under a lot of pressure this year because of the impacts of GLP-1s. If, if, you know, if obesity is not going to be an issue going forward, those companies' demand profiles look different. Now, we reckon that's overdone in the short term. So we've used that as an opportunity to top up both ResMed and CSL during that weakness. Yeah. And just a thought here as well. Do you think that the positive news for these two big health companies, as you mentioned, will lift the entire bio, med tech and healthcare smaller, you know, sector overall? Because that has biotech. been... Biotech. Yeah, yeah, biotech has been hammered, mm. you know, in rising interest rate environment yeah, yeah, yeah. because they're known as cash burn companies. Are they set for a revolution? Yeah, there's, a, there's a big revolution going on in healthcare, which is moving from, you know, sort of chemical compounds as a way of producing drugs to what we call biologics. So that's basically using your own DNA um, or um, or injecting you with a, with a substance that, that messages your, your DNA to produce an outcome. So a really good example is the COVID vaccines, particularly the mRNA vaccine. So that's using your own DNA to produce, a, a, you know, an antiviral in your body, which is amazing, right? So um, the, the companies that are involved in that food chain, and the Danaher Holdings is one um, that comes to mind. You want to invest across that spectrum. And again, it's very difficult to pick winners in the drugs themselves. It's often better to buy the, the, the what we call the picks and shovels, so the people who run the laboratories or have the big uh, R&D programs where they've got you know, lots and lots and lots of shot on, shots on goal, they're the companies that you want to own in that space. And again, you know, CSL and ResMed are on the other side of that trade, but there are, you know, you've really got to go overseas to get those opportunities. How interesting. Danaher was pitched on our 12 stocks for the 12 days of investing, yeah. 12 days of Christmas. So it's interesting that you brought that one up again. Uh, so basically, last year, it was really long duration mm. stocks, your tech, your healthcare. So let's cast the net wide. What are the themes and what are we looking at? For 2024, that's that's a good question. So look, it's it's really difficult to go December to December um, <laughs> because you know it's not always a straight line, and we'll we'll talk about lithium a little bit later because that's yeah. a really good example of what's not a straight line. So I think it's a game of two halves next year. I think the first half we've got this euphoria about the fact that inflation's done and that maybe central banks can start cutting interest rates but they're not, probably not going to cut them in the first half of the year. So what we're going to experience in the first half of the year is a slowing economy. And yeah, a lot of people have, have had savings and they've run through those savings and we're really going to see the pinch on consumption. We've been talking about it forever. We're really going to see it in the first half of the year. So I think the next earnings season in particular, but potentially the one after that as well, we could see earnings downgrade. So I don't think the market's ready for that. So I'm still a little bit in terms of stock selection, thinking a little bit defensively. But as, as the year progresses and it becomes obvious that the economy is slowing now, we really have to start cutting rates, otherwise it's going to get worse, that's when you buy your cyclical. So leading into that, I think that during the sort of 
first stages of this market. I think it's still a little bit of a defensive growth market. I still think those stocks will do well because they're benefiting from lower long-term interest rates. So we had a big rally last night in bonds. We'll get more rallies going going ahead in bonds. And so the PE ratios of those long-duration stocks will go up and you'll get really good returns out of them. You want to take profits out of that as the year progresses and then go into stocks that are going to do well. So the really obvious place is real estate because it's been absolutely smashed. And for good reason, there's lots of empty buildings and there's lots of food courts that are closing and all that sort of stuff. So um, retail uh, real estate and office real estate look you know, really, really challenged. And that's in the share price. A lot of those share prices are down a long way. So I think at some point during the year, and we'll, we'll get our little bell out and we'll ring it, <laughs> we'll say time to lean into things like real estate and, and home building and those sorts of sectors. Absolutely. And we're going to hear a little bit more about that and hear more of Martin, your predictions for 2024. So don't go anywhere. We've got plenty more interesting insights and investable ideas. So we have all that coming up right after a short break to hear from our sponsors. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. And we are back. So one theme that definitely skyrocketed for this year, 2023, was AI. We've sort of danced around and touched on it earlier. But would love to hear your thoughts, Martin. What's your view on the rollout of AI? Do you think it's all kind of priced in, at least for the Magnificent Seven already? Is a bit more hype here? or? Yeah, I, th- I think somebody, somebody said that the market overestimates things in the short term and underestimate things in the long term. It sounds like something Warren Buffett or, or uh, you know, the late and great Charlie Munger would say, but I think AI is a little bit like that. I think it's got, you know, the as you said, the Magnificent Seven, they're up 70-odd percent. The rest of the market's kind of done done nothing. And a lot of that is based on the fact that there's a there's now a thing called ChatGPT that'll write a poem about your dog if you ask it to. But, the, you know, large language models are great, but they're, but they're, they're quite limited in their, in their use. Um, and there's a little bit of a novelty value with it that's maybe not going to change business too much. The, the, the one to watch is Microsoft. So Microsoft's launching a co-pilot product, which, um, you know, it's now, it's only available on a minimum of 300 licenses. So a lot of businesses are probably not going to buy it because it's, it's 30 bucks US a month per user and through minimum 300 users. So lots of businesses will, will just find that too expensive. But, you know, smaller, medium-sized enterprises aside, that's being rolled out and that's sitting on your Windows platform. It's looking at your email, your spreadsheets, your PowerPoint presentations. So when anyone is in that business of manipulating data or looking at data, I think about what I do every day, yeah. the amount of PowerPoint presentations I do, something like Copilot's going to be great. So that's the one to watch. If that kicks off, then it's it's game on for AI. But just, you know, if, if businesses are using it, trying it and not getting a productivity uplift from it, Maybe maybe a little bit of the heat will come out of it. So I think you know, from my from my view, I'm watching Microsoft and Copilot pretty closely because that's if anything's going to work, that's probably going to work. So so it's not winners take all. It's maybe just Microsoft takes all. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, look, obviously the there are other. There we are love other, Microsoft. Yeah, yeah, there are other. Look, it, 
I think where it really makes sense is if you've got lots of data, lots of customers, and you can generate lots of insights, or you're writing code. Like yeah. it, clearly, it writes code pretty pretty well. So I think you can have instead of having ten software engineers, you can have two or three. So I think you know anyone who writes code, gaming's another one. So you know there's some gaming stocks in the Aussie market that'll do well out of it as well because you'll just be able to write code a lot faster. Yeah, we've been talking about needing dying for a co-pilot as well. I can't wait till that's readily available. Can I have more than one? <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. So one thing I've noticed, I'm not sure if you guys have changed your behaviour, is I'm going to chat GPT instead of Google, saying where's the closest sushi train on chat GPT versus Google. So that's really disrupting Google's search model, right? Absolutely. Which will be interesting to see if that changes. If you go travelling as well, you can actually say, I'm going to Italy, where should I stay? What restaurant should I go to? It will plan your entire trip. Yeah. So now we've touched on AI, which was a fantastic theme for 2023. Uh, The other theme that we really, really liked, and we actually spoke about it early last year, was uranium and future-facing commodities. So what's your outlook there? I mean, a lot's gone on with the US banning Russian imports of uranium. So do you think we're going to have another good year in the uranium sector? Yeah, good question. It's a really interesting space because it's not just the science of uranium, it's the politics of uranium as well. And a really interesting development was at, was at COP28, 30 countries came out and, and made a pledge to increase the nuclear electricity production. So, you know, nuclear makes up around about 10% of the global energy mix. Um, and, it, it, you know, it's one of those things, if it was a new development, like it was a new discovery, and we hadn't had Chernobyl or Three Mile Island or Fukushima, people would be raving about it. They'd say this new great thing, we can, we can actually harness the energy uh, from the sun and we can do it in a safe way and these small modular reactors are great. Um, but the reality is that, that that's, there's still a NIMBY issue around it. So a lot of governments, particularly if it's a close election, are not going to die in a ditch on, on uranium. I think, I think in Australia we've got interesting because the coalition's sort of backing uranium and the, and the government's clearly against it. So Australia's an interesting battleground. But I think that all being said, if you, if you stand back and look at the, the energy transition, nuclear makes sense. It makes sense to have some part of your energy mix from nuclear because it can provide that base load that coal is currently providing, whereas renewables, as we know, go in and in and out um, of the energy mix. We want that cheap, uh, efficient base load. So I think I think nuclear makes sense, and countries, maybe not Australia, but countries are going to adopt it. China's obviously way ahead of everyone else. So the Iranian market's been in in sort of undersupply for a long period of time, and people have just been running down inventories, particularly out of Russia, and that's now coming to an end. And so we need production for the first time. So. Uh, Australia is very lucky in a lot of ways. One of the things we're endowed with is uranium. So there's quite a lot of it in Australia and there's quite a few companies that are listed that are either developing or or, uh, or producing uranium. So Paladin amongst the large caps. There's, we like a couple of the small cap names. So amongst our 10 favourite stocks for next year is Peninsula Energy, PEN's the ticker, and then Silex SLS is the ticker. So they're two stocks in the uranium. If you want an allocation to it in your portfolio, and I think it makes sense, I'd, I'd look at those stocks. Absolutely. And I mean, we always, Candice and I always speak about future-facing commodities on Talk Money to Me. I mean, we believe we're heading into really a commodity super cycle. And I know it's been mentioned copper. 
um, as a huge theme for 2024. So what are your thoughts on copper and how we can kind of play that? Yeah. it's So when people think future-facing commodities, they normally think of the groovy, rare stuff that go into batteries or magnets, things like rare earths and, and lithium and spodumene and all these things you've never heard of before. But the key, <laughs> the key one really is copper because it's it you know a lot of it is electrification a lot of it's putting in networks so that we can use more electricity so rather than sticking petrol in our car and having service stations and pumps and tanks we can just plug it into the into the charging station so we're going to need more copper to do that and it's also a very um abundant material in in electrical vehicles it's a very abundant material in wind farms so we need more copper and it's just really hard to get exposure in the share market so a lot of a lot of the big copper companies also have lots of everything else so i think rio is probably one of the biggest copper producers in the world but it's you're mostly getting iron ore when you buy rio so there is one stock i think that's it's interesting and it's been bashed up lately it's evolution mining so Tickers EVN, we, we own this in our growth and our core portfolios. So they just did a big acquisition where they bought, um, you know, a relatively fully priced asset in North Parks, but that boosts their um, copper production by about 50%. So the stock's now going to be uh, 70% gold, which we love because the US dollar is probably going to be weaker and gold's going to be stronger next year, and copper, which everyone loves. So um, the fact that it's been beaten up probably provides a really good opportunity for people to look at evolution mining. Yeah, love that insight. Santos and Woodside having that gossip in the column mm. at the moment that oh, they yeah. might merge. We've spoken about new energy solutions and renewable, but we still obviously have a, a large demand for old energy and yeah. oil. And the oil price has been smashed at the moment, so really good buying opportunity. We've seen the markets for Woodside at the moment. Just yeah. any comments on, on that particular merge yeah. that does happen? So when I, when I think about managing portfolios, I think about managing risk as much about maximising return. And part of that is, you know, what, what could go wrong? So what could so I have a worldview, and as we spoke about quality growth stocks, et cetera, but what if I'm wrong? What if things kick off again in Europe or, or they worsen in the Middle East? Because at the moment, the Middle East is a very, well, relatively small dispute, and we don't have some of the bigger players stepping into it. So what what if that changes? What if everyone's wrong and that changes? And we have a we have a flare up in in the Middle East and and an acceleration of, of the uh, situation in Ukraine, then the oil price is going to go up a lot, and yeah. that's going to cause inflation, and it's going to cause central banks to start increasing rates again. It's horrible, right? It's really really horrible for portfolios, and we saw a bit of that in 2022. Uh, what can happen when the when the oil price goes nuts? So as an investor, you go, how do I hedge that risk out? And you own oil stocks in your portfolio. So you can own physical oil or you can buy an ETF, but you're better off owning a producer because they're A, they're leveraged to it, B, they're also paying you a dividend. So in Australia, you choose between Santos and Woodside. They're solving that problem for you. They're, yeah. they're probably getting rid of that choice by just getting together. So it's pretty clear that they want to get together. Um, and that produce what a that, marriage that yeah, would be. Massive, a massive business, a massive oil business, really well diversified, good mix of, of liquids and gas. Good growth assets, good management, because they'll, they'll they'll pick the best of the management team. So the combined entity looks quite interesting. So at the moment we're in Santos. We had both, and we we let some Woodside go trimmed, yeah. earlier in the year because we just yeah. felt the oil price had gone as far as it was going to go. That ended up being a good call. And now you're looking at you know that combined entity is going to be a pretty exciting business to own. Yes, it's dirty and fossil fuel and everything, but we get all that. We're about protecting your wealth. 
if something bad happens. So we'll look we'll look at um, you know increasing the energy exposure. You did actually nail that. So Santos for the years up around two and a half percent, not including dividends, obviously. Yeah. And Woodside is down about fifteen percent on capital, not including dividends, obviously. Yeah, well done on the trade. Yeah, we picked the right one. You yeah, really yeah. did. <laughs> so just before we kind of reveal the bull cases and some really exciting stocks that you have mentioned on the show to date and also hear your 2024 stock predictions just want to hear your thoughts on you mentioned real estate but is there any other sectors in particular the Australian market our listeners should be wary of going into next year well that's a good question um we're still a little bit wary about retail um really for the first half of the year I think if the Reserve Bank starts cutting interest rates in the second half of the year, it'll be because there's a, there's a pretty bad economy, and a pretty bad economy means that, that retailers are going to struggle. We're still a little bit wary on the banks, um, not like you know jumping out the window wary, but just concerned that we haven't really seen bad and doubtful debts at all. And you know the whole idea of trying to slow the economy down is to uh, you know is to force a little bit of pressure on on businesses so they don't go too nuts and spend too much money. And we haven't really seen that yet. So the the, the banks are being priced perfection right now. So a lot of investors that have been in the share market for a long time will have a lot of money in the bank sector mm-hmm. just by you know the fact that the banks have held up quite well and a lot of other things haven't. So a lot of our investors are very overweight banks. So. I just counsel to look at your portfolio. If you've got more than, say, 20% in banks, have a conversation with your advisor because I think that's too much. Globally, banks make up about 5% of the market. In Australia, they make up about 25 So I just think that's an area where it's what we call late cycle. So we've had the interest rates go up, which the banks like. We haven't had the bad and doubtful debts or the loan losses, which the banks don't like, which you typically get before interest rates start getting cut. So just be a little bit cautious on both the retailing sector because um, people own lots of Woolies and Coles and West Farmers and also the big four banks. That's good advice. That really is. And I think on that, right, that would be looking at maybe trimming some of the majors. I think if you looked at Macquarie Bank, it's a little bit different being more of an investment bank and with hopefully the IPO market reopening next year. There's a lot of talk on the streets and some exciting things coming up. So Martin, to wrap up, and leave our listeners with a few investable ideas. We wanted to review your stocks selected last year, how they performed, as well as your top three ideas for next year. So firstly, well done. You absolutely nailed it with James Hardy, the code being JHX on the ASX. It's up over 88%. So if you listen, if our listeners had actually bought that, yeah, cue clap. Yeah, yeah. Um, if, you'd, if, our, if our listeners had actually bought that on the show when you came on, you'd be up around 88%. That's actually fantastic. Then we've got Pilbara. So lithium, and you did mention on the show last year that it's already up 65% um, when you pitched it. It was around $4.50 and it peaked at around $5.43 during the year. Now, obviously, the last couple of months, lithium stocks, all lithium stocks have really been sold off. Um, so your position's down around 6 7%. So assuming you took profits in Pilbara throughout yeah, the year? Yeah, so, so the way we look at it is we're in a 3 or 4% position in lithium and Pilbara was, was the one we chose to be in. As the, as the price ran, as you said, when the rest of the market was doing nothing, lithium just kept going. So we, we ended up being a little bit overweight in that $5 region. So we, we actually trimmed the position, which which looks like a good decision in hindsight. We probably should have sold more. But yeah, the, as you said, the stock has come back a long way. It's now in the threes and it's starting to look pretty attractive. And this company has a good asset, lots of cash, 
Um, and I think lithium still has a pretty bright future, but in the short term, uh, there's a lot of people who are, who are you know, concerned about supply in the short term. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And then we had Domino's. So unfortunately, people were not eating as many pizzas this year uh, as you thought. So that's down around 10%. Any comments on Domino's? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the, the whole thesis for it was that they had a lot of uh, food price inflation uh, last year. And that that was going to abate, and they might actually keep onto their uh, keep onto their um, you know their prices, better get get a drop in cost. So I think it has been a tough year for a lot of quick service restaurants, mm-hmm. um, just because the consumer is slowing a little bit faster, particularly in that demographic that uh, that is you know that is a Domino's customer. It doesn't appeal to every uh, part of the population, but I think the you know the people um, that typically go to Domino's are probably spending less money than we thought they were. Although the you know consumption in general's held up pretty well. To be fair though, if you'd bought all three of your stocks, you'd be up well into the double digits anyway. Well done. Insert clap. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we've heard a bit of a summary of 2023. What are your top three ideas for 2024, Martin? Crystal ball. We've yeah, all get, got our pen and paper ready. I'll yeah. get the crystal ball out and give it a polish. So <laughs> the, the first stock I like for next year, everyone hates, which is Qantas. So you know Qantas has had. Uh, a pretty checkered uh, history in terms of producing profits and dividends for shareholders. It, it IPO'd, you know, 30-odd years ago, and it hasn't really made a lot of people wealthy along the way. But I think things are changing with Qantas. I think it's moved into a structurally profitable position. It holds not quite a monopoly, but a very strong market position in Australia, which is, you know, even with, a, with new entrants coming to the market, it holds up pretty well. Um, it has run down its fleet a little bit. It has run down its lounges a little bit. And the new management team that's coming in are aware of that and they're going to change that. So I think going forward, we're going to have a structurally profitable business that's got the capacity to reinvest in its fleet and its lounges and its experience and its customers. We've got a new board. We've got new management. We've got new planes, new lounges, new board, new management. And yet the share price is sitting at five times earnings. So it's probably going to earn a buck a share going forward. So at $5, you're getting a five times earnings. So it do, it can go up to eight times earnings and still be, um, um, you know, it can go up to $8 and still be on eight times earnings. So we think Qantas can be a real cracker of a stock to own for 2024. And, you know, but that's an anti-consensus call. There's a lot of people who just don't like Qantas. They don't yeah. like airlines yeah. in general. Well, we were topping up. $8 um, a call, love it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it could easily go there. Yeah, easily go there. Um, second stock is, we've kind of mentioned already, is Evolution Mining. Mm-hmm. And this is a more of a macro call. So it's about saying, what commodities do you want to be in in 2024? And there's two that stand out, being copper and gold. And there's probably some others that, that I think iron ore will also do well. But, but copper in particular, because what we spoke about with future-facing uh, uh, commodities. So no matter what happens with the energy transition, we're going to need more copper and it's really hard to find. And there's lots of copper production that's been taken off the market because it's just not making money. So I think we need a higher copper price and that spells really good profits for copper producers. The second one is gold. So the US dollar has been you know, on a tear for years now because their interest rates are so much higher than everywhere else. Five and a half percent interest rates in the US and kind of much lower than that everywhere else. That reverses next year. The US is going to cut. Everyone else is going to keep their rates a little bit longer. So the US dollar is going to come down. That's very good for gold. So gold's started to pick up, but it, it, you know, 2024 could be really good for gold. So we like. So you got to pick a copper and gold stock, and then you look through the 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 list of stocks that are out there. Evolution probably gives the best bang for the buck. The fact that they've done an acquisition the market didn't like because it's come capex and the balance sheet's now stretched. 
that's probably a, a really good opportunity to lean into into evolution. So Qantas evolution, and the third one's kind of like a bit interesting. I like pricing power, and I like stocks that are going to do well under a higher for longer interest rate environment. So everyone's getting excited about interest rate cuts. Reality is they're probably going to stay higher for longer. So what companies mm. are going to do well? And the insurance sector is the place to go, right? So the insurance sector basically takes your premium income and sticks it in the bank. And they used to invest it in shares, but that became too risky. So basically, they're a, they're a play on interest rates. So the one we really like is QBE, but the problem with QBE is it's US dollar earning. QBE, I don't mind if you can hedge out some of the currency risk, but the other one I like is Suncorp. So Suncorp's got pretty much an oligopoly with IAG on motor vehicle insurance and house and contents insurance. So And those premiums, as we all know, are going up a lot. So I got my car insurance the other day, almost fell off my chair. Yeah. It's up 30, 30%. It's still yeah. the same car sitting, in the, sitting in the same place. I don't know what's... The, the car's probably worth less than it was. I don't know why I need to pay 30% more. But it's because capacity is an issue in the insurance industry. So premiums are going up a lot and investment income's going up a lot. And, and Suncorp's also probably going to sell its bank to ANZ and get about $4 billion. So they're going to have $4 billion in the war chest, either as a dividend or a capital return or reinvested. So Qantas, they're all quite you know different companies, yeah. Qantas, Evolution and, and Suncorp. All right, you heard it here first. 2024, the three key ideas. Well, thank you so much, Martin, for joining us on the show today. Again, as always, very valuable insights. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Wasn't that just a fantastic episode. Honestly, he's been so fantastic the last couple of years we've had him on the show. Yeah, Martin, if you're a regular to our show, you know, you would really appreciate and I hope you tune in when he does speak because he has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the markets and he just really makes the complex simple. You know, he really breaks it down for us, which is great. He does, which is absolutely fantastic. Now, if you're interested in actually learning more about Martin's models that he manages here or potentially looking at getting invested for 2024, reach out to us, tmtm at equitymates.com or cftgroup at shoreandpartners.com.au. <laughs> we would love to hear from you. We would. And Martin doesn't like to toot his own horn, so I'll do that for him. Do it. One of his, <laughs> one of his flagship funds, which is the Australian large cap core model, it's our SMA only exclusive to Shore and Partners clients. He has returned a compound of about 9.5% per annum since 2016. So if you compare that to any benchmark on the ASX, he has well and truly delivered our clients here at Shore and Partners. Fantastic alpha. So well done, Martin. Well done. Insert more claps. More claps. (laughs) Now just to round out, guys, we really hope you enjoyed that episode. But as always, please remember the conversation we've had today here with Martin is not considered personal financial advice nor is this podcast a financial product in any means. The content on this podcast is general in nature and you should seek your own professional advice before you make your investment decisions. In fact, all the companies and stocks and investable ideas we did speak about today were offered in good faith based on the facts known at the time of recording being the 14th of December, 2023. Gosh, this year has just flown, hasn't it? 100%. It's crazy. My life is flying before my I'm eyes. Older for the city. I know. Um, now, we're going to put our emails in the show notes below. Um, and please remember to follow our Instagram for daily market updates. Our handle is at Talk Money to Me Podcast. We'll be back next year. Have a safe and very fun festive season. Until next time. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. You have been listening to an Equity Mates Media production. 
In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.